All right. Your phone's silent? That's what we're working on now. I think. Ooh, that was a good song. That's going to be our new ending. Don't do that. We got to modernize. We got to keep it fresh. We working on it. I think I'm good. Are you a singer? I am not, child. You don't want me. Mm-mm. I don't know. The, the two tunes I've heard out of you so Mm-mm. far are pretty good. Mm-mm. I'd buy that record. No. The sale of one wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm just checking other things. All right. I'm going to begin. Yeah, let's go. Welcome to episode 26 of Black, White, and Blue in the South, a podcast discussing democratic politics with a Southern flair. I'm Bill Kimler. I'm Jamil Brooks. And we're coming to you from Greenwood, South Carolina, a little red county in a very red state. If you like what you hear in this episode, please leave a rating and a review. Tell your friends about us, follow us on social media, or better yet, Somebody get our South Carolina treasurer, Mr. Magoo Curtis Loftus, a pair of strong reading glasses because somehow he didn't know or forgot about $1.8 billion of our money that was sitting in a bank account where it didn't belong, just collecting dust. Instead of his crusade against, quote, woke businesses, Maybe he should wake his own sleepy head up and look at the damn books he was elected to manage. Just look at his Facebook page. Does his intro say anything about wise investments, managing the state's money, balancing books? No. It only says, quote, if you're fed up with the woke tyranny, follow this page. I believe in freedom, not oppression. Quote. This is what you get when you chase ideology instead of competency, folks. South Carolina, for how long are you going to stand for this nonsense? When will you look at a man or woman's qualifications rather than nonsensical statements coming out of their mouths that have nothing to do with the qualifications for the position they are running for? Curtis Loftus was unqualified for this job as treasurer from day one. He had been fired from two state jobs previously. He's a conspiracy theorist nut job who has ranted about microchips and toxic vaccines. Well, South Carolina, you voted him into office, and now what? $1.8 billion of forgotten money? There are 5 million residents in our state. That's 360 bucks for every man, woman, and child lost. If someone misplaced $360 of your money, you'd be mad. How about $1.8 billion? Time to resign, Mr. Loftus. Resign and let someone qualified for that job take your spot. You can always drop us a note at blackwhiteblueinthesouth at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, and topic ideas. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, and even Mastodon. We have a link tree page that can connect you to everything, so look at those show notes where we'll have that and links to all material mentioned in today's episode. And speaking of today's episode, 
We learned something about the podcasting world recently, namely that you can lift an entire episode of someone else's show and then broadcast it as your own. A few weeks back, our sibling show, the All About Nothing podcast, republished a pair of our episodes that covered the assault on transgender youth in our state, and now they're about to pass a bill that would ban life-saving medical and mental health care for them. It was a gut-wrenching pair of episodes to produce, and we're grateful to Barrett Gruber, host of the All About Nothing podcast, for sharing them with his audience. So, it's only fair that we steal an episode of his, one in which he interviewed Dr. Jamil Brooks and myself a while back, and we're going to broadcast it as if it were our own material. I'm going to sit back now, press the play button, and take full credit for the audio magic you are about to hear. A word of caution, however. This episode was recorded quite a bit in the past, so you may hear references to events that happened a while ago. Things like the invention of the phonograph, the introduction of the Charleston dance that swept the nation, and the shocking assassination of President McKinley. Just please bear with us. And so without further ado... Here's Barrett Gruber and the All About Nothing podcast. With Zach King, Trent Clark, and Barrett Gruber, this is the All About Nothing podcast. Welcome to the All About Nothing podcast. I am Barrett Gruber, and I am uh, joined this week by Dr. Jamil Brooks. Uh, I pronounced that correctly. You did. Good job. Fantastic. Also, uh, Bill Kemmler, and we'll get into... uh, Bill, you can say something if you'd like. Uh, Dr. Bill Kimmler, please. Do- oh, doctor. Okay. The honorary doctor. Say, or- did honorary, he correct yes. that? Did he pronounce that correctly? <laughs> Kimmler. Kim- what, 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 is, what is the, uh, what is the uh, country of origin of Kimmler? I, I assumed it's somewhere in Europe. German-Austrian. German-Austrian. So, Kimmler. Yeah. yeah okay. I- I'll tell you a fun fact. I am the only Kimmler in all of South Carolina. That is, oh, wow. I checked it out. I, I can, one of a kind. I cannot profess to being the only Gruber in South Carolina. Our Grubers came from like Norway or Finland because they were they were Johansons over in that northern section of Europe for a little while. But anyway, uh, this is episode number one hundred and eighty. I am Barrett Gruber. I'm joined again by Bill. I'll be Kimmer. honest, y'all just froze on me right now. Is it just me? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yes, yeah, it's you. just you. <laughs> I mean, literally everything is moving around you. So yeah, one of them frozen Zoom attacks. (laughs) This is episode number 180. Please consider supporting the show financially by visiting theallaboutnothing.com and becoming an official member, proudly calling yourself a true nothinger. We have a bunch of membership tiers available that include early access and exclusive content. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you think we're worth it, go ahead and give us a review and five stars. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, please share where you can with your family and friends. Give us a review if you can. Check out our Facebook page. You can follow us, Facebook, Twitter, uh, threads, all of those uh, those special things. And with that out of the way, a couple shout outs. Thanks to James Amick of the South Carolina Paranormal Research and Investigations for being on our show with us last week. I think it was kind of a spooky episode. We enjoyed hearing all about the experiences and documentation and equipment that was used for investigations and and, and what people's experiences were during those investigations, as well as discussing some of our own experiences. Bill, I'm going to come back to you after a little while because uh, Bill apparently had an experience that he was going to share with us. So let me, let me ask you, Barry, what was your, what was the coolest moment about that interview? What part of it stood out to you? I, 
So the group that James is with, I have attempted several times to potentially join their group because we have a small group called Midlands Paranormal Explorers. And we don't do it very often, but we have been given the, uh, we have been requested uh, at a couple locations to go out and do investigations. Their group has a more consistency to the the investigations they do. It sounds like they do them fairly often, whether it's every Saturday or a couple times a month. But the coolest thing about the interview was him acknowledging that, one, he's a skeptic. And his skepticism is what really drives him to do these investigations, because I consider myself a skeptic. I don't necessarily believe that every bump in the dark is, is paranormally listen, Barrett, related. I listened to your show. There were no skeptics in that room. <laughs> Which you'd there be surprised, were none. right? You all were just falling over yourselves, talking about, I see a ghost here, I have a ghost there. There was It was like Ghostbusters, man. There were no skeptics in that room. And I'm sitting there yelling at the phone going, this is just such horse malarkey. It's like, if I was in the room, then y'all would know what a skeptic was. Yeah. Well, so I, but my skepticism, it's not that I don't believe that it's possible. I just need proof. So that's why we've done the documenting. Like we've, we've been to a couple locations where we've had some experiences that I couldn't explain. One of the experiences wow. that I talked about with him, I think off the air, I may have talked about it during the recording, but I have a recording of what sounds like a whisper saying my name. I oh, didn't no. even know I was recording at the time. That was probably one of the, my experiences. And my, my brother and my, my sister said that they had experiences and we talked about it on the show. But uh, yeah, it- you know, what, you know what pushed me over the edge in your interview? What's that? It was when you started talking about those dumbass e-meters <laughs> that, that measure paranormal activity. So let me tell you this. Uh, over the summer, I went to Florida on vacation and brought my kids down from New York. They're, they're in their mid-20s. Flew my mother down from Philadelphia, and the four of us enjoyed the beach. We were on um, the Gulf. Okay. We took a day trip to Pensacola because we wanted to go on a haunted tour. Okay. So they advertised that the price was pretty cheap, came with a lunch, was like, why not? We'll kill a couple of hours and have a bite to eat. So we go there, and we were in these two or three bars along the Strip. The bars were beautiful. Yeah. Like we're talking old architecture, wood, ceilings as high as you can see, huge mountain animals and old timey pictures everywhere. The bar was gorgeous. And then this lady who was our haunted tour guide basically just walked us around the bars pointing out where the ghosts were <laughs> because she had all these psychic abilities and she had been interviewed all over the world. She even had a box of these little beeping meters that she gave to us oh. and said, when these things beep, then you know something from the other world is nearby. She said they were just they were yeah, just random beeping machines, man. They were nothing. <laughs> they were dumb. She even gave us divining rods to try to find ghosts around with these divining rods. It was absolutely the stupidest three hours I've ever spent <laughs> in my life. Did you record this? Because I would like to watch you. I, I got picture. I got pictures. We didn't do any video recording, though. I can't say that that would have been the dumbest three hours because I have sat through a couple GOP debates this summer. And, and <laughs> I, uh, I, I, those were some of the dumbest mo minutes. Yeah, but of my I was life. entertained yeah. during those. I was not that's, entertained. I was just bored out of my gourd. That's fair. That's fair as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, big shout out also to Post and Courier's Free Time celebrated their sixth annual of Free Time's Halloween over the weekend. A special thanks to Lindsay Conine, whom when you see her at the parties, she is working intently to make sure she's not there to enjoy the parties. I mean, she says she is, 
but she's literally walking around picking up trash off the floor to make sure that it is pristine. The uh, the Free Times puts a lot of, into these uh, parties that they do, and, and they're open to the public. So next time we announce another one coming up, everyone, please make sure you get tickets because they give us a promotional code to share with people. This last time it was nothingers. Next time I'm not sure what the next party is coming up, but if we get the opportunity... We'll, we'll throw a promo code out there for that as well. But thank you to Lindsay Conine, also Tate White, who also worked on that. We're actually going to have an advertisement coming up in the Columbia Free Times. I believe it's going to be a half-page ad for the podcast, so we're excited to be able to see that coming up also. Is this is where my Patreon money is going? Just to pay for these pa- half-page ads? <laughs> yeah. No, oh no. No, no. We, we use no, – we're doing – we're direct trade-out. We All mention right, it, like and they, yeah, no, your 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 advertising is uh, going to one pay, second. pay for my books. Is 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 what's uh, <laughs> my, my... <laughs> uh, while uh, while 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 poor Bill is uh, suffering, he's got it. Oh, good oh lord! I, I hear you like people wearing masks during the entire podcast. Well, I thought about the same. <laughs> so, so I think I'm going to just do this. I hear this is the way you prefer people to do their recording. That is that is what gets the uh, the the best possible audio out of a podcast. Uh, that's for sure. That's right. Thank you, uh, Bill. I, I'm, I'm going to be your Trent today. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> You're going to have to change political parties for that too. Hey. Uh, so oh yeah, where, where, where's my red hat? Yeah, exactly. Well, we're not doing that. That's not an option. That's so right. That That's right. Uh, also, a uh, big shout out to Brad Shank, John Kosas Jr., Austin Blevins, Nick Spano, and the rest of the Columbia Firefly staff for their season ticket holders World Series kickoff party last week. Uh, had a really good time. Also, want to mention that John Kosas' book is out, and I finally have one in my hand. It's called uh, Play by Play from the Miners, Profiles in Baseball Broadcasters from Scranton to Yakima. If you haven't already, there's links in the show notes for you to be able to purchase that and, and, and do that because John spent a lot of time gathering stories from other broadcasters for that book. And uh, we're very excited for him. I'm going to read it soon, and I'm hoping that I can talk John into potentially letting me read a couple of the stories for the audiobook. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that was a good episode. Yeah, John. Was, he was a very interesting. I mean, you wouldn't think minor league baseball would be that riveting oh, of a yeah. subject, but it he really made it such. It was good stuff. And I'd like to think that John is uh, one of my good friends as well as as Bill. And uh, you know, it's. I mean, a, you'd like to think it, these things like don't make them think, true. I'd like to think it. Uh, <laughs> tickets are also available for the. Fireflies Holiday Lights at Segra Park. More lights this year uh, than last year. Mason Mondays, also Winter Wag Along Wednesdays, and Kids Eat Free Sundays, all returning this year, as well as Thirsty Thursdays with drink specials on fountain drinks, uh, domestic beer, and cocktails, that sort of thing. More details and tickets available at ColumbiaFireflies.com, so you can check out the link in the show notes. Lastly, New Brooklyn Tavern update for uh, Monday, November 6th and, and and on for a week or so. And I know I'm going to destroy these names, but Wednesday, November 8th, Dakaju, Christworm, and Abacus. Thursday, November 9th, Dear Blanca, Junior Astronomers, and Say Brother. Friday, November 10th, Grady, Spencer, and The Work. Saturday, November 11th, Stardog, Lowercase Gods, MNRVA, and Hellfire76. You can visit NewBrooklynTavern.com for tickets and details for these and more shows, or you can check the show notes for links to tickets and details. So... That all out of the way. And we are yeah. out of time. That's it right. has been yeah. a pleasure speaking I mean, with you. We have to run. You, like I thought maybe you had 30 more. That's, that's right. Apologies like to you. Matt Damon. Uh, we ran out of time this week. Uh, no. 
My guests this week are the hosts of the podcast, Black, White, and Blue in the South. And after an announcement on their podcast a couple weeks ago, both candidates for their respective districts for the South Carolina State House of Representatives, Democratic candidate for House District 12, Dr. Jamil Brooks, and Democratic candidate for the House District 13, Bill Kimmler. This has been a big year for both of you, right? To say the least, to say the least, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, our listeners got to know Bill during his candidacy uh, a couple years ago. And Dr. Jamil- Actually, it was just last year. No, was it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I guess that's right. I filed March of 2022 and, and met yeah. you guys that that's summer. So I it was just over right. a year ago. That's crazy. It does feel like it was forever ago. I, I, I won't blame you for that. <laughs> well, and voting day is, uh, well, technically because the month this episode drops on Monday, uh, election day is tomorrow, Tuesday the 7th, right? I mean, it's yeah. not, I don't have anybody to vote for because I don't live in an area that has a county council or city or a city council or anything like that. And that's that's all that really seems to be going on. But yeah, that's insane. I didn't. Well, just to be clear, in case anybody's confused, our election's not till next year. Right. Correct. Next year. We're, we're, next year. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we signed up last week and now we're up for a vote next week. Yeah, we you know? just we were sitting on the couch and we thought, hey, what do you have to do? <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. <just> run. <laughs> well, I wasn't surprised to see that Bill was going to run because I uh, I think you had mentioned to me at one point you were giving it some consideration, but I, at that time I don't think that you had decided. I guess. Uh, Dr. Jamil, like what, what made you decide, like how much pressure did Bill put on you to do this? <laughs> actually, actually none. So this is That's good. what most will find strange. So I've always had that bug. I knew that it was going to be something. I'm going to be real transparent. I actually, years ago, the first seat I had my eyes on was the state superintendent. Oh, okay. Education. That was a seat I wanted. And I remember I would tell everyone as soon as this is because I didn't know the way to do it. Yeah. And I would say, as soon as Molly Spearman's done, I'm getting that seat. Well, I didn't understand how things work. So then we have what we have. So that wasn't it. So that was always a part of what I was going to do. And it's just now is the time. Yeah. You mentioned we have what we have. Right. And and I'll put a name to that mockery, but it's uh now I can't think of her name. It's um Ellen Weaver. That's right. Ellen Weaver. Bill, I, wasn't, Thank you, Bill. I was not going to say it. Uh, Ellen, say it out of existence. Ellen, Ellen Weaver, who, who used our podcast as a smear campaign against Lisa Ellis and bless Lisa Ellis, because I can't imagine what that was like to quite literally lose an election to someone who is so underqualified. Under. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I sort of go back to the idea that here in South Carolina, if you're running down ticket, you really have to have a name that uh, if, if you're running, especially in a presidential election year or, Mm -hmm. or a governor, I mean, it's a trade-off. You, you either get a presidential election year or a governor election year. It makes it really difficult unless you have somebody up ticket that's going to really push for everybody to pull on the Democratic side or or legitimately go through the ballot and, and actually yeah. vote for the candidates that they have selected. Because yeah. That's what I was going to say, to actually go through the ballot and actually select your candidates. Well, this Ellen yeah. Weaver was like that even before going to the general election. You oh, know, yeah. She was primaried. So yeah, she had a primary for the Republican nomination against a lady named Kathy Manis. Right. And I don't know much about Kathy, but I knew she had years of teaching experience. She yes, was in charge yes. of some sort of education yeah. group. She identified as a Republican, but she came across as an experienced educator, yeah. not prone to the MAGA extreme far right ideologies. Yeah. Ellen yeah. attacked her oh, yeah. with oh, everything right. she had. I got mailings. 
that just, boy, if I was Kathy Manis, I would have called her out the schoolyard, you know, and, and threatened a beat down. <laughs> meet me, meet it was me some, behind the cafeteria at 3.30. Yeah. Yeah. It was some really yet. nasty stuff. And then when Ellen won, there was no doubt that she was just going to use the exact same tactics uh, on the Democratic nominee. Yeah. yeah. And clearly we got it. We, we absolutely got a preview of exactly how Ellen Weaver runs a can or well. Okay. I don't necessarily believe that Ellen Weaver had much control over her campaign. That campaign, okay, that. that campaign was run by professionals, including the individual that represents me here in the state house. RJ May mm. is a oh, professional God. campaign manager. Jamil, you remember that name? I do. I, oh, I yeah. played Did clips you see my of face? him on our episode. Yeah. And I'm I'm he, sorry, Barry, but in order for me to be on a podcast, you have to have this eye rolling sound <laughs> um, because I can't control it. And when we start talking about them, that is what's going to happen. I have I, I have this. And, no, that ain't gonna and, do it. And then maybe no, that's not it. I have I that's yeah. It's just uh, uh, you know what, RJ May, he's a joke. Um, okay, got it. <laughs> but yeah, so RJ May, I, I don't know what he does as a professional, like how he actually brings in money, except that he he's a professional campaign manager. He ran a number of the Republican races here in South Carolina, including part of McMaster's campaign. He ran part of Joe Wilson's campaign. So like, that's what he does. And then when he's elected and they're during session or or even outside of session, all he's doing is running around promoting or, or pushing for some of the worst of what the Republicans represent right now, uh, yeah. including uh, including apparently getting lunch on a, on a fairly regular basis with the leaders of Moms for Liberty or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, we played a clip of him testifying at the uh, Lex Rich Five school board. Oh, yeah. And, and he just went on a three-minute word salad that you sit there and slow it down and analyze it, he made zero sense. Yeah. None of those Santa words matched. He got everything wrong. He was just pulling words out of a bucket and slapping yeah, it up on the wall. A whole bunch of nothing. Yeah. yeah. We, we literally, over my shoulder in my front yard, he and I almost got into, a, into an argument about some of his policies and politics. Because at the time, when he was running the first time in 2020, he didn't really have a platform except for he loved President Trump. That was his whole platform. I, and I'd like to think that I, I, at least my neighborhood is fairly diverse. I mean, I live with people of different races and creeds and religions and colors, like all around me. And I would like to think that my neighborhood was probably the holdout as far as like the number of votes that he potentially didn't get. But I think people in my neighborhood still disappointed me. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> So, Dr. Jamil, congratulations on your candidacy, Bill, as well, Thank your you. candidacy. This is, it's very exciting that you guys are running again. And I have publicly, privately, I have professed that I think Bill is one of the greatest minds as far as what South Carolina democratic politics has to mm -hmm. offer. Because, and, and, and Bill, don't chime in yet. But, <laughs> but when it comes to understanding and knowing a lot of what's going on, Bill, I turn to you for information sometimes. Yeah. Because, yeah, if I don't understand where to stand on something, I can ask Bill and he'll explain it, not necessarily to sway me one way or the other, but, Correct. Yeah. but yeah, but, but Bill will give me the information that I need in order for me to form my own opinion about it. And that way I understand exactly why I don't agree with something or why I do. So Bill, you running again is, is very exciting. And I, I'm hoping that people will be so turned off at the idea that a convicted felon 
uh, in Donald Trump would be president, that maybe they won't just pull a Republican, whatever. They don't pull up. They don't pull a lever anymore. It's not that. That's not the way it does. Yeah, I think Bill is one of the best kept secrets in Greenwood. So you mentioned some really good points. The fact that he is full of knowledge and his presentation will be unbiased yeah. in a, such a way that you get to pick the way you feel it is what it is. Um, and I, I said this when he ran last year, you know, Greenwood missed an opportunity to actually have someone that would show up every day when we were sleeping this would be a guy who is working his behind off to make sure we're not getting taken advantage of yeah. or to make sure that there is someone there that is sitting at the table with us in mind. We miss that opportunity and we can't do it again. So I was glad, you know, I was watching him saying, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Like, dude, you've got to run again. And so when he announced, I was like, yeah, we ready. We're yeah. Definitely ready for this. All right, Bill, now you can chime in. Okay. I, all I know is that when when it's my time to pass, I want you two doing the eulogy. I'm, I'm tapping. I'm tapping you two. You got it down. Thank you. You know what? You Very know what, kind words. You know what's really awful about that is is sometimes in my car I will practice hosting a debate. I will sometimes practice hosting eulogies. I will sometimes practice doing like <laughs> wedding speeches just so I can keep up with my ad lib, that sort of thing. Uh, the eulogies are really the ones that get really funny. Uh, All right, that's what I want to hear a recording of. <laughs> you know what? Next time I'm in the car, I'll just make sure to carry, I'll, I'll make sure to record it and send it to you. Cause... All right. So let me, let me turn the tables. I want to talk about Jamil. Please here. do. So this was my experience with Jamil. We only knew each other, uh, gosh, maybe this year. I didn't know her last year. Okay. She came to one of our breakfast meetings in the Greenwood County Democratic Party where I'm the chair. She attended one. She approached me afterwards and she was very delightful, very pleasant. She says, you know, I was thinking about maybe getting involved, you know, and, and you were actually asking, hey, you were interested in running for first vice chair of the Greenwood County Democratic Party. And at the time, our current vice chair said he wasn't going to run again. He wanted to step down, older man. And the fact that she came out of the blue and said, I want to fill this seat. I was like, yeah, you bet. So the more we got talking over the next couple of weeks, she also shared that she wanted to run for office. And that just made my eyes do that woo sound. Yeah. I was like, that was just phenomenal. Because you're always looking. Not yeah, that thanks. One. Yeah. <laughs> you're always looking for good, decent people to be on the ballot. Yeah. In fact, I'm just writing up a little thing right now about a good democracy requires a choice. Doesn't mean you're always going to win, but boy, when I show up to cast that vote, even if it's yeah. uh, with a long shot, I want there to be a name to choose from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it, it, I just, even if it's just a democratic name, I don't like it. I want a choice. I want to see yeah. at least two people and make an election an election. Yeah. That's what our country is supposed to be about. Yes. Well, you did good with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I agree completely because one of the things I think that really bugs me about my district is the fact that I know that no one is going to run against RJ May. And Bill and I have talked about this, that I think that the, the only way to really campaign against some of these Republicans that are so ingrained in their districts or they have as much money as they have available for their elections, mm -hmm. I, I would almost have to consider running as a Republican just because that's the only way that he could potentially it's have the to only spend way his money right campaigning. Now. So, yeah. so I, I take exception to that line of thought. And I hear you. And it's it's a reality that many people talk about in our current environment. Yeah. But instead, what if you took a 20 year view, two decades view? If you chip away at it every year, these house seats are up every two years. Right. Every so two let's years. let's say, you know, I ran last time and I lost by a huge margin. And you know what? Didn't bother me one bit. 
and says, I'm going to try it again. You know, I may lose by an, an, a large margin, but I bet you it's going to be smaller than last time. And I got it in my mind. I'm going to run every time. If it takes me 20 years, eventually this guy's going to pass away from old age uh, or get bored and moved on. But yeah. by that time, you start to build up that network. You start to build up that reputation. You build that mojo. And as a Democrat, you should be able to win in the long run. It yeah. can't roll the same die every time. Yeah, no, and yeah. I, I, I don't. But you, you mentioned a component that most people don't have, and that's that time component. And then that consistency to continuously push to run to prepare yourself for the day when that individual is no longer able to hold that seat or to really function in that seat. Now we so spoke the time with is there. We spoke with Representative Heather Bauer. She spoke at our yeah. banquet a couple of weeks back. We did. And she flipped a Republican seat yeah. that was she held did. for over 10 years. Yeah. That's my emergency. That was not her first time running. Yeah. That was her fourth time running. Four times and then she got it. And That's the we'll kind see, of dedication and long-term vision we need to have. You, you just—I yeah. said this at our Democratic breakfast. You cannot be afraid to lose. Like, yeah, you got to get on the ballot, and you're going to do one of two things: you're going to either get yourself a seat, or you're going to exhaust their their campaign funds. Right. Whatever you're going to make their behinds work until they can't work anymore. But you just can't <laughs> sit on the sidelines and say, "Oh, I wish things would change." Right. Like we have we have a number of people who are eligible candidates for different parts of the offices. And they just keep saying, well, not right now. I'm going to go two more years and I'm going to do this. Or right now is not the time I'm going to lose. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Get that name recognition. Jump out there. Yeah. It's almost like if, even if you're just starting out and, and you know, well, like in my district, I, I know I keep using it as an example, but knowing that when it comes to RJ May, him specifically, I know how much money he has available. And I also know that the individual that he ran against last time, which we talked about at your breakfast, Daniel Daniel Shreve, uh, RJ May didn't even have to campaign against him because neither one of them really campaigned. So the reason I talk about potentially running as a Republican isn't necessarily so that I would take office as a Republican, but to primary against RJ May because I would lose, obviously. <laughs> but to campaign against him in the primary and then campaign against him. And then you can be a, in multiple parties in this state. Am I, am I wrong about that? I think you I can. I don't think you can primary well, somebody as a Republican and then show up as a Democrat. On okay. The ballot. Well, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a shame. I guess a, a right. Because, because you file to run in Correct. March. Yeah. So that's when you pick your party and then maybe you have a primary, maybe you don't, well, but you can't switch midway. What happened with, Lisa Ellis, when she showed up on the, it wasn't the primary ballot though. So but she, she was on the primary, by two, but not represented by two parties. Right, correct. She was a, she was, she was on the Democratic, and then she was nominated. What was the independent? Independent. That was it. She, no, she was under Working Families, work, wasn't she? Or yeah, was it, it Working it, Families? It was something like that. But they don't hold an, oh. they don't hold an elective primary. What they have is they, they oh, come together. I got it right here. They just it was select. Democratic and Alliance Party. Alliance. That's alliance Party. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Because okay. Sarah Work also ran under the Alliance Party for the Treasurer Office, which mm-hmm. I don't normally watch a lot of commercials. Uh, I, I normally watch my shows after after they've been downloaded or, or they air or whatever. But watching football games and things that, like, like that lately, the number of times that I see our Secretary of Treasury or the, the Treasurer for South Carolina popping up there, basically campaigning. 
he makes it sound like he came up with the savings account for children's oh. education. I, I, you, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't remember what his name is, but like... Curtis Loftus. Loftus. That's, that's what it, it. That's it. Curtis he's, Loftus. He's using these commercials basically as a campaign. Like, he is. And he's not even running this. Like, it's a four-year term on those, I assume. For treasurer? I think so. Yeah. But like... Yeah, I don't need to see the secretary or the uh, treasurer for the South Carolina every time that somebody talks. He didn't invent that either. It's been around for years. <laughs> it, but I guarantee you, he's using state funding for those advertisements to throw his face and his name out there. And I, yeah. th- I, I don't understand why. Well, I do. I, I know who runs the state, but I, there's got to be some sort of investigation into how those funds are being used to promote the savings account, but but to promote him. He doesn't need to be on screen for that. Uh, anyway, Mm-mm. that's that's one of my I gripes. Agree. I agree. If I'm watching the Philadelphia Eagles, so that's the team, right? It's the Eagles? Because it wasn't the Phillies. But <laughs> Oh, I'm a big Phillies fan whenever they make it to the World Series. Oh, just, yeah. Well, how about Texas? How about Texas winning their first World Series last night? Eh. Nothing. Eh. Yeah, that's what, that's what <laughs> I figured. Honestly, that's what I, that's what I figured. I was, Listen, I, I got Cowboys <laughs> and Eagles playing on Sunday. You tell me, that's bigger than the World Series, man. Yeah. That's oh, my gosh. Well, it's bigger than this year's World Series. They said that this was the most underwatched World Series in the last, wow. like, 15 years. So I mean, I'm happy for Texas. You yeah. know, everybody deserves a turn to win. And this is their, their turn. I'm happy for all the lifelong yeah. fans. Good, good for them. I know what that feels like to win your first championship. Yeah. So so good for them. But really, baseball, just in general, far too long of a season. <laughs> the games are too long. It's boring. You know what? George he's, Carlin had all these wrong. ideas he's for improving wrong. baseball. He's like, here's a rule that he would change. If you're hit by the ball, you're out automatically. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you're trying to run the bases and the first baseman beans you in the head, you're out. You're hit at the plate, you're out. He says that'll make for a more interesting game, and I have to agree. And you got then you have you have batters that are literally dodging every pitch. <laughs> oh, he said put random um, uh, landmines out in the outfield. That's, oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, All great ideas. Yeah. I miss George Carlin, man. I oh, miss yeah. him terribly. I, I would say he went before his time, but I think he was pretty old when he passed as well. So I, yeah. I don't, I, you know, I will say uh, next baseball season, you come down, we'll go to a Fireflies game, and and well, see, they see, put I don't on a count, good, they put minor a good league baseball doesn't count as baseball. Sure, yeah, I agree. It's, that's more entertaining the audience. They put a lot of effort into making sure everybody's engaged. Because oh, yeah. if you're not watching those uh, t-shirt cannon people. Man, you can get you your head <laughs> knocked out. That's oh. right. You can you can come home headless if you're not paying attention. I love it. They That's do. Fun. They do such an amazing job as well. Of like, they have at least at the Fireflies, they'll they'll have the some of the staff will run around in those Zorby balls or those Zorb balls mm-hmm. and smack into each other for you know for the three minutes in between innings and you know you're yeah. like. There's got to be a concussion or two out there somewhere. Oh, uh, it's a date, man. I'm there. I haven't seen a Firefly game yet, and I want to go. They're a good time. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break, but before we take that break, Dr. Mill, I wanted to ask, we know about a lot of Bill's background from him being on the show. What are your experiences as far as what it is that you would bring to the office for District 12 State House? So in South Carolina, the areas that are most prominent that need the most attention would be areas of healthcare, education, and just a little bit of the technology background. Okay. So what would I bring? I mean, that's over maybe almost 20 years of being in education and in the healthcare realm combined. So what am I going to bring? It's a background full of policies. And it's, it's funny, but my doctorate, which I did not get for 
education, okay. by the way. The doctorate is in health administration with emphasis in policies and advocacy. So if it's a policy, I'm checking one thing. So everyone in District 12 might, might as well know, and I'm putting everybody on alert. I'm reading that policy. Does that policy represent the individuals in 12? And because Bill is going to be beside me, does it represent the individuals in 13? And if it doesn't, then we've got to go back to the drawing board and consider individuals to make sure that it does represent that. From the healthcare standpoint, um, just making sure background has taught me enough, and I still teach in healthcare to this day at the university level. It just gives me the opportunity to continue to stay abreast of those policies and to make sure that individuals have access to the services that they need. Don't just throw up these organizations, but can we get people from rural areas to these appointments so that they can maintain and take more accountability of maintaining a healthy life. So we want to work to develop policies that will empower our citizens to be healthier. Gotcha. Um, and then education. I'm not budging off of education. And I need everybody to understand that South Carolina placing where it places every year is a complete and utter insult to the educators that work very hard every day. We have some very intelligent educators that pour so much into these children, and I'm one of them in the public school system. And I know that by having a conversation with the educators, we can figure out what it takes to improve South Carolina. And that is the voice that I will be for the educators. Okay. You know what else Jamil brings? What? She brings a paddle. Look in that background. She's got a Delta Sigma Theta paddle. She's going to be taking that. <laughs> to the state house and whacking people over the head if they're not on board with her plans i love <laughs> hey, it hey we listen we're based we we are going to always have a social action hat put on so all i know is that everybody's going to have to do right or get left look i'll just That's say plan. i'll just say this dr jamil and i are, are, are about the same age we're, we're very very close in age and i remember okay. when those paddles were actually used <laughs> uh I had. You're not using them. <laughs> no. There's a there's an initiation story somewhere in there, oh, right? No, Jamil? no, no, no. This is a this is oh for her maybe, but this was no, absolutely. Not for me. <laughs> this was absolutely when I was in elementary school in Atlanta. They still used corporal punishment. They'd have to get approval from the parents, but we had corporal punishment. I had a vice principal who had a paddle that was about the same size as the one behind you, but she had had her husband drill holes through it for aerodynamics. So, oh so that gosh. you could get, you could get, she could get just enough, but you know, yeah. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. But yeah, I, I, that, let me just, let me go on the record and say, if it has those letters on it, it's just for uh, decoration purposes, <laughs> just to display. <laughs> so then that's, that's my last question before the break. What letters are appropriate on a paddle used for corporal punishment? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an answer to that. There's S-O-S. A, yeah. Or I was going to say, there's a shop in Amsterdam uh, that, that absolutely probably has the appropriate letters on a paddle somewhere. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, I think, Bill, did you say that you had a little game you wanted to play with us? Did you put that together? No. Okay. That's all right. Oh, gosh, that's all right. Okay. Well, well, I do, I do have some topics about, uh, recent politics yeah. and decisions and things like that. So I, I, we okay. will, we will talk about that after the break. This is the all about nothing podcast. I'm here with Bill Kemmler and Dr. Jamil Brooks. So we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the All About Nothing podcast. I'm here with Dr. Jamil Brooks, who is a candidate for District 12, South Carolina uh, House, uh, as well as Mr. Bill Kimmler. I'm sorry, I can't apply the doctor name to you. Although, you know what? I have two master's degrees, so you can call me Master Master. I feel like that is inappropriate in this state. <laughs> 
<laughs> that actually might win me some votes. Come on, that man. is entirely possible right. too. You're right. You're uh, right. So uh, we're we're here discussing. Uh, we've been discussing their candidacy and 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 what we all think between the three of us makes the two of them appropriate to run for state house here in South Carolina and how well they're going to represent their districts. But of course, if you listen to the podcast, you know that sometimes we come up with uh, some of the current events that are going on. And I guess the first one I want to bring up is the fact that Mike Pence has already dropped out of the running for the Republican nominee for president. Why yeah, is let me, that? Let me first put some context here. I want to put a plug in. Uh, oh, Jamil please. and I have our own podcast, well, yeah, Black, White, Blue in the South. And I know you mentioned it at the top of the hour, but that was like a hundred years ago. So I need to refresh <laughs> everybody's minds. Black, White, Blue in the South, where Jamil and I take between 35 to 50 minutes and we go through a series of topics just like we're about to do here. So tune in for our weekly podcast drops every Wednesday morning. Uh, we just dropped our 14th episode. And we're very proud of it. It's it's oh, gosh. it's really good show, and it's it's not one of those shows that you listen to and you're like, all right, am I just listening to it to get through it, or am I listening to it? No, legitimately, it's entertaining. It's informational, mm-hmm. and mostly it's informational, but it's delivered in such an entertaining way. And I know a lot of people that listen to it. I think what did you you were recently announced how many unique listeners uh, have downloaded over the course of the episodes? Yeah, we did on one. Was that three yeah. something? We were at three something. You know what? I have no idea if these metrics are any good, you know, if we're just flailing or if we're actually growing. But every week that number seems to go up. So I'll take yeah. that as a good sign. I am going to pull It's up. really tough to it's tough to break through. Yeah. No, that's a yeah. fact. Uh, so just just to compare, I, I won't compare it to this show because this show is, uh, uh, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, as far as as far as like individual listeners, all time unique listeners, it looks like uh, almost 400 that's oh, over the course ooh. of only uh, 14 episodes that I think that's ooh. fantastic uh I think uh, what the pod is is maybe in the thousands you know as far as unique listeners but that one has okay. a very niche audience uh okay. <laughs> thanks Bill you made a face uh I'm in that niche man I love it it is a niche it is not for everybody no it is it is it is definitely not for everybody and and for some reason my mother keeps listening but uh <laughs> It, it is an entertaining show to do. But yeah, it, you know, I, honestly, I think that you all are doing very well. And Bill, your uh, social media presence is on point. Uh, oh, my nice. gosh. Really? It, it is. It is. It Like, I see the stuff that you post. and I'm like, man, I wish I had a Bill Kimmler to do the social media <laughs> stuff for our show. Because I wish I had a Bill Kimmler to do it because I'm tired. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, some of your postings, you're, you're going back to like episodes four and five and six. Oh, and yeah. I, I see, you know, yeah. how disappointed is your boss at work about how much uh, work you're not getting done? Although- Listen, let me ask, let me answer for Bill because when I tell you structured, this dude is so structured. Everything it. has a time and a spot. So he's probably doing more than he should be at work. And then he still has just enough time to jump in. I don't know how he does it, but he is so structured with this. I don't I don't know if Bill wants I don't me have it. I don't know if Bill wants me to say where he worked, but I used to work where he currently works. And oh. uh I got away with a lot of shit there when I was there. Did so <laughs> Bill's not Bill's not saying anything. <laughs> Next question. Well, no, please. The, Next question. honestly, is that I, I do have to separate out work from other activities yeah. and I keep a very fine line between the two because I've got 
multi-million dollar budgets I'm responsible for. So there isn't uh, an opportunity for me to be lax and get away with stuff. Things need to get done. Yeah. Otherwise we lose a lot. So, yeah. but, but Jamil's right. I do keep a very structured life in all my activities. Cause I find that if I'm not, then I can't get that stuff done. Sure. And I'm always looking for the fastest way to do something. Yeah. So you had even asked me, Barrett, if I had a, a piece of software that I load up all these things in advance and push them out. I don't because I haven't found one that does it to all the platforms I work with. Yeah. But I have a massively awesome Google spreadsheet that I keep track of everything. And I literally, think. it's just maybe 10 minutes of copy and paste. And I've just uploaded 10 different things across 10 different social media accounts uh, in 10 minutes. Yeah. So it really I takes no time at all. I am very appreciative of the fact that LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh Twitter and Instagram all allow for me to yeah. schedule those postings out because once I yeah. finish an episode, it's fresh in my mind. I know what we talked about. So I can go ahead and create a post and it'll drop at the same time the episode drops. But like mm -hmm. if I want to go back and post something or, or create a post just to get more numbers out to a particular episode, I won't remember what it was we talked about. And I rarely go back and listen to the episodes. So like somebody will fact check me on something and they'll say, oh, in you know, last week's episode, you said something about something, uh, but that's not really right. You, you were wrong about that. And I said, and I'll just go, yeah, well, thanks for listening. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Jamil. I listened to each one of our episodes at least five times. Do oh, no, and not five. Not five. Yeah, I mean, deals. part of it's during the editing process, but even after oh, it's well, done, yeah. I listen to it multiple times. And you know yeah. what? I still am entertained by it because you could not have a better podcast partner than this lady right here. I believe Yay. she that's the Billy secret. Jamil. I mean, she she brings out such enthusiasm, such comedy. She is an hilarious woman. She is hilarious. <laughs> Very quick. It just even even the, the facial expressions alone. That's, that's why me. during our first few episodes, I'm looking at her. I'm like, people are missing out on her face. You know, me, I'm nothing to look at. But when you see her facial responses, and she's doing a lot of, oh my, whoa, like, oh, you know, just her whole body moves. I was like, I got to get a camera up in this. And so I think around episode eight, put a camera up, put some lighting up. And now we, we yeah. put it all on camera because that is just too precious not to share. I can go back to an episode that Bill was on the phone where he was telling us about how he was doing his GQ modeling or his shirtless modeling. And, and so I well, know. Hold on, hold on. Let's give the context. He's got this partner named Zach. He's my, he's my frenemy. And, and Zach made a comment. And I, don't, I wasn't even there just no, out of the blue. I'm listening to there. this episode. And Zach says, well, if you were to look at Bill, you wouldn't want to vote for him. Yeah. I don't even know what point he was trying to make, but out of the blue, he decides to torpedo me oh, with God. some sort of insult on my look. So that's when I gave a call into an episode later on <laughs> saying I was at a GQ modeling shoot, <laughs> posing shirtless. In, in, in Bill's defense, every recording that we do of the podcast, I have to roll my eyes at the number of times that Zach refers to himself as the most handsome individual that's ever existed in his entire life and that's also counting i guess apparently zeus or oh my goodness uh apocrates or oh. i don't even know if that's a that was an individual socrates i i assume he compares himself to socrates when it comes to you know shakespeare's humor maybe i don't know oh, wow. uh big ego Huge ego. There's not the studio is not big enough for it. So, uh, so yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up, and that's that's not even a talk about Trent's ego. When you get the two of them in a room together, it's no, anyway. The uh, so the first thing I want to discuss, Mike Pence has already dropped out of the. Oh yeah, uh, and and yeah, is that because you think 
he he hasn't raised the money and he hasn't gotten enough individual I guess he hasn't gotten enough individual donors to support himself being in any potential future debates. I mean, it seems early to to mm. drop out of a presidential election, considering we haven't had a single primary. Mm. Nobody. Well, here's the thing with the president. <laughs> it's a it, it's not so much a contest to see who would be the best leader, but it's a contest to see who's the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. And and the sad sad thing is, it's a personality contest at this phase. Two things I want in a president is I want charisma and I want skill set. I want leadership skills. I want the both. Yeah, we had that in Barack Obama. I mean, this guy was just a magical sure. unicorn that was dynamic and the guy was smart and he was an effective leader. Donald Trump was charismatic. At least many people thought he was. He has no leadership skills. He's got no talent, nothing whatsoever. And the country mm -hmm. was a disaster for yeah. four years. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, I think, has the leadership skills. He's not the Barack Obama charisma guy. He never will yeah. be. He's got kind of a hokey charm to him and. He just doesn't, and that's why his poll numbers aren't so good because he just does not exude the charisma that needs to go along with how effective his administration has been. Mike Pence had neither of those. Yeah, this guy couldn't lead, and he has no personality whatsoever. So it's no surprise to me he was one of the first to drop out. Yeah, that's fair. So let me ask: Do you think that maybe the Republicans? are saying we better try to get the house together, get things in order a lot sooner than later, because we might have a battle on our hands. And so maybe somebody's doing some shoulder tapping saying, I think it's time for you to remove yourself. You're a slight distraction and you remove yourself. I thought it was interesting, like Asa Hutchison, he didn't pay to end up on a ballot in South Carolina and he had the funds to do so, but he just didn't. That's interesting. So I'm wondering. Yeah, no, nobody wondering, tapped Mike Pence on the shoulder other than the bankers saying, dude, you're out of money. <laughs> buddy pay up and, and he had no money so he had no choice but to drop out if he had the funds he would still be in it because he's delusional thinking that he's the guy even though he only draws 20 30 people at an appearance yeah, well, he's, yeah. he's, he's thought, tainted he thought he was because the guy. he was with trump he was tainted from the beginning that was a bad idea that relationship tainted him well he was tainted forward. because he was a with trump and b not with trump yeah yeah you know so so he got hate yeah. from both sides of the spectrum I, exactly i feel like if mike pence had not well, he was governor of Indiana, correct? Was he? Was he? Or he did he just come off of being the governor? I knew he was in Congress at know. one point, uh, but I don't know. At some point in there, he was hosting a radio show, and oh, and wow. and not a not a very popular radio show. It was the hype of South Bend, I think. But with with Mike Pence dropping out, if Mike Pence had not been selected and and taken on the role of the vice president candidate for the Trump campaign, I feel pretty certain that, that there's a possibility that Trump may have been a president that was elected without a vice president. Because uh, mm. it sounded like, just based on some of the things I read of the, the whole attempts to find someone to run with Trump, there really, at the time, there wasn't anyone that wanted to do it. Now, Mike Pence, again, had had some success as a, as a representative for the state of Indiana. And I, I, I want to say, I think he was governor. Uh, I can't remember exactly. To be honest, Barrett, we're talking about Mike Pence for longer than his campaign lasted. <laughs> so maybe we move to the next topic. Fair enough. Okay. And that's a wrap for this episode of Black, White, and Blue in the South. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. Please take a quick minute and leave us a rating using your favorite podcast app and a review of what you heard today. If you do... 
it'll help our Republican treasurer, Curtis Loftus, divide by three, carry the two, multiply by pi, and perhaps find even more of our taxpayer money that's been lying around forgotten. If you are a blue dot in a red sea, keep the faith. Keep up the hard work. Change only happens over many years of work and dedication. The end. The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2024, all rights reserved.